Recording this on Thursday, January 4th, around 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I am Todd Wright, and this is the Todd Wright Toddcast. Amazingly, this is episode 276 of the Todd Wright Toddcast. It is presented by Brandon Legal Group, your full-service law firm servicing the greater Tampa Bay area. For a free consult, 813-902-3576, or visit brandonlegalgroup.com. And Pin Chasers, also on board for the entire football season, I recently had a ton of fun at Pin Chasers with former Buccaneer cheerleader Berenice and her wonderful uh, young son who uh, wears me out every time we go out and do activities together, even if it's just bowling, mini golf, or sitting in a seat at Amelie Arena. By the time I say goodbye to her and her son, I'm exhausted, so I don't know how she does it. He's a great kid. And Pin Chasers was a great place for us to have fun on an extremely busy Saturday or Sunday afternoon when we went in December. Three locations in the greater Tampa Bay area for lane or party reservations. Please visit pinchasers.net. Email is right.todd at yahoo.com, right.todd at yahoo.com. For those of you that are upset, not just with the one-sided nature of Florida State's loss to Georgia, but the overall atmosphere, indifference uh, that continues to rise as it relates to most college football bowl games. This has been coming for some time. This is not unpredictable. And... There's really no way in the current structure of what's going on that this won't get worse. Now, if it makes you feel any better, and I feel like I'm being redundant here, but I was having a conversation today in a golf shop. Big surprise, I was hitting golf balls today, and I was in a golf shop. And the conversation about the opt-outs not just FSU, but in general around most bowl games. And I had to remind the people I was talking to, there were no opt-outs by Alabama, no opt-outs by Michigan, no opt-outs by Washington, no opt-outs by Texas. Meaningful games playing for a national championship. Michael Penix had a lot on the line. In terms of his National Football League future, he did not opt out, and he led Washington to a victory over the Texas Longhorns. Uh, The same could be said about some other players, but I believe that's just an obvious one that I can make a case for. Um, So, rather than address these problems. And prior to player opt-outs, we had coach opt-outs. We had coaches that would accept a new job and not lead the team that helped them get the new job in that particular bowl game. That's been going on for a long time, even before players stopped 
started opting out to make sure that they did not suffer an injury that would cost them future income or status in the National Football League draft. So, again, I feel like I'm being redundant, but I was asked about this today. And when I ran it down today, I could tell my audience was very captive. Next year, the playoff changes. The playoff goes to 12 teams. That's the number. The structure of the playoff is significant for reasons that I want to discuss in this podcast. So let let me walk you through the four rounds of the playoff next year. And we're going to have this for two years and only two years guaranteed. We don't know what's happening beyond the next two years of this playoff and how they're going to do it. We have two years, and here's the format for the next two years. Five versus 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight versus nine. That will be the first round. Five, six, seven, and eight play at home on their home field. Not a bowl closest to home, no. On their home field. So as an example... If Oregon is five next year and Liberty, again, is the best from the group of five, as we're going to continue to go down that road where the non-power conferences get the top CFP ranked team into a bowl, I'm sorry, into the playoff. Previously, it was into a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, it will be into a playoff. Most assume that will be the number 12 seed. It may be higher than that, but let's just work with that. So, you would get Oregon versus Liberty. If you you want to stretch it out to this year and say that game would have been Florida State, the five, against Liberty, fine. However you want to do it. Whether it's Florida State as the five or Oregon as the five, I use that because Oregon just played Liberty in a very one-sided fiesta bowl because of of all teams that weren't playing for a championship, Oregon had a great quarterback say, no, I'm playing. And he tore Liberty up. That game would be at FSU or at Oregon. It would not be at a designated sort of bullish neutral site. The five is at home against the 12. The six is at home against the 11. The seven is at home against the 10. And the eight is at home against the nine. So the good part about this is we're guaranteed a pretty solid college atmosphere, right? If you're a fan of a team that makes the playoff and they get a home game in the first round. That's going to be fun to go to. Win and advance on your own home field. That's the first round next year. Again, 5 versus 12, 6 versus 11, 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9. One other caveat. 
that I have a feeling they're going to have to tweak in two years. Notre Dame can't earn one of the top four spots because they don't play in a power conference. So the best Notre Dame can do, I continue to bring up this analogy, if Notre Dame goes out next year and beats everybody by 21 or more and is the only undefeated team in college football at the time the CFP rankings come out, the best Notre Dame can do in seeding in the playoff is fifth. Then the rules, at least for two years. So Notre Dame would be at home, but wouldn't have a first round bye. The top four get first round buys. Five through eight get a first round home game. Nine through 12 get the right to be in the playoff. And one of those presumably is a group of five team. Okay. The second round will be all the winners. The lowest seeded winner, let's say the 12 does beat the five, goes on the road, beats the five. The 12 would then play the one in what you have come to know as a New Year's Six Bowl. The winner, let's say the 11 beats the six. The 11 would then play the two in what you've come to know as a New Year's Six Bowl. Okay? One is going to play the lowest seed remaining. Two plays the next lowest seed remaining, and on and on. If you want to look at it from the favorites who are playing at home, we can do that too. So if the if all teams playing at home in the first round, the five seed, the six seed, the seven seed, the eight seed, let's say all the home teams win in the first round. The next round is very simple. It's one versus eight in a New Year's Six Bowl, two versus seven in a New Year's Six Bowl, three versus six in a New Year's Six Bowl, four versus five in a New Year's Six Bowl. You're saying, well, okay. That's four New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah. The four that have been out of the rotation two out of every three years that have been dealing with opt-outs, they now are guaranteed a game with integrity and that will not have opt-outs and likely will not have coaching changes. So that would mean this year, those games would have been the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. Now, next year, the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl will be the semifinals, the final four. So that means next year, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. I'm sorry, the Rose Bowl, yeah, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl will be the quarterfinals. Then next year... The Orange Bowl and the and the Cotton Bowl will be the semis, and then we still have an isolated championship game that has no bowl affiliation. It is the CFP championship game, and it rotates between a lot of cities and a lot of venues. You got that? Okay, so this is important. So for the next two years, six traditional bowl games are guaranteed to have a game with integrity, a game with status, a game without opt-outs, 
a game without coaching changes in all likelihood. Their games will mean something. They will feel like they mean something. It's how you want to watch a bowl game. So we'll go from two of those to six. So that's a step in the right direction. It doesn't solve anything for the rest of the bowl games. Whether we're talking about, and they have all sorts of cheesy names, insert your own cheesy joke there. I did like what they did with the Pop-Tarts Bowl, by the way. But all these other bowl games outside of Rose, Sugar, Orange, Cotton, Peach, Fiesta for the next two years, they're still in this hell of opt-outs, coaching changes, and potential irrelevancy, one-sided games, sort of who cares. The playoff at some point will expand, but it's not going to expand to include all of these other bowl games which still don't have an answer to the problem. And you're not going to stop players from opting out. And you're not going to stop coaches from taking other jobs. So what do you do? Here's my suggestion. Eliminate the bowls. And instead, move the whole idea of these games to the start of next season. I'd love for them to be played on Labor Day weekend, but that's going to take some work because future schedules have already been made for Labor Day weekend. But we're not, if we, if we move the bowl games to the start of the next season, we eliminate a lot of issues. We're not adding a game to many team schedules. Sure, you could have a team play in a bowl game to start the year and then qualify for a bowl game slash college football playoff game at the end of the year. They aren't, they aren't going to complain about that. But my point is, if you take the non-New Year Six Bowls and you basically say, look, we're not putting you out of business. Granted, most of these games are just run by ESPN anyway. We're going to move you to the start of the season. So you're just going to change your business to instead of hosting in December, you're going to be hosting in August. And you're going to put on a season opening type game that players and coaches are going to want to play in and going to want to win. Now you're saying, okay, well, how do we do that? Well, you have to get an agreement among the conference commissioners to ultimately do this, but the games would be meaningful if you make them the games that begin the next season and throw them on the front of everybody's schedule rather than the end of everybody's schedule. And your conference affiliations for all these bowl games can stay intact. I will pick the Tampa-based bowl game as one example. 
which has a long-standing agreement with the SEC and a long-standing agreement with the Big Ten. There's a caveat in there. They can choose an ACC-affiliated team for the purpose of this podcast. We will, we will leave that out for now. Actually, in every year this game has been played um, in Tampa for the last, I don't know, 20 years at least, it's been Big Ten versus SEC. Citrus Bowl has been the same way. So what you would have is at some point in, let's say, the spring, you have a selection day. And you can make this even a sort of made-for-TV event where the bowl games choose who plays in their games, much like we have that at the end of the season now, you would have it late spring. Instead, maybe around the time of spring practice, where a bowl game affiliated with the Big Ten chooses what Big Ten game they want, what Big Ten team they want to offer a spot in their game. That will be the season opener. Let's put some caveats on it. A bowl game wants to invite Michigan. They have a Big Ten affiliation, right? The Citrus Bowl. I said we do the Tampa game. Let's do one of the Orlando games. The Orlando Base Citrus Bowl says, for our Big Ten pick, you know, and you go in order of how you pick, we want Michigan, okay? Then it's very simple. Michigan can accept or refuse. That's it. They have the right to accept or refuse the bowl bid, just as every team does now. They can't say no to get another bull bid. Once they are invited, that's your one invite. So Michigan has to decide, do you want to play that season opening game or do you want to pass? Because we don't want to add another game to our schedule. You can't hold out for another game. But the selection process would be very similar to what we already have. But now you can pick from anybody, right? The Citrus can, and if Michigan says no, the Citrus can say, all right, we want Ohio State. And maybe Ohio State's like, you know what? We'll take a trip to Orlando to open the season and play an SEC opponent that you pick for us. We're in. Also, a bowl game can't invite the same team more than one time every four or five years. That prevents the same bowl from getting the same team over and over and over. So every four to five years, that's it. So in that scenario, if the Citrus invited Michigan and Michigan says, you know what, we're good. But then the Citrus invites Ohio State and Ohio State says, yeah, we'll take the game then the Citrus can't invite Ohio State for the next three or four years. 
They have to pick a different Big Ten team. So what you would ultimately have, and you might have some of these bigger schools saying, no, we don't want to add another game. Our schedule is tough enough, and we plan on being in the playoff, so we're good. Let's say even a dozen, because that's how many playoff teams we have, of the big teams say, no, we're good. That's currently what you have with these other bowl games anyway. They're not going to get that top dozen. And instead, they're getting a team that wants to play in their game to open their season, clearly featured in a unique television window to play the game. You're not adding a game to their schedule. You're simply moving it from the back end of the season to start the season. And now fans have all summer long to plan the trip rather than the bowl games where they have, I don't know, a couple of weeks to get everything in line to try to make a bowl game, clear work, book hotels. You're making it a lot easier on fans to go to these games and they would be excited to go to this game because it would be the season opener. You want to call it a bowl? Call it a bowl. You want to call it a kickoff? Call it a kickoff. The names don't matter. They're going to sell the crap out of this anyway. Bowl games don't have recognizable names anymore. They have billboards and are sponsored. But it is a way to preserve this and give the games meaning and make people excited about going to the games and coaches excited about coaching in the game and players excited about playing in the game if you put it on the front of the schedule instead of at the end. I know I'm not the only one who's had this idea, but I've given it a lot of thought, and I do think it has merit. Because there's... There's really not any way to change coaches from leaving programs before bowl games unless they're playing for a national championship or players from opting out unless they're playing for a national championship. You put the game in August as opposed to December, and all parties are excited about it. And I think it could work. What do you think? Write.todd at yahoo.com. Write.todd at yahoo.com. And yeah, as the playoff expands, those will be the only college football games at the end of the year. We're going to have, starting next year, 11 of those games across four weeks. And the number's only going to go up. So you're saying, well, I'll miss seeing bowl games every night. Yeah. How many of them did you really intently watch in recent years anyway? And you're going to have 11 college football playoff games in the next two years, and I guarantee you in the 10 years that follow, that number is going to go up. Whether we go to 16, we go to 24, that's where it's headed. Right.todd at yahoo.com, right.todd at yahoo.com. The Todd Wright Toddcast is presented by Pin Chasers and Brandon Legal Group. Thanks for listening.